well, let's find something that doesn't require any soldering. Yeah, it should be easy. And we looked and we looked and we looked and we couldn't find anything. So I said to him, well, you're going to have to invent it. So he did. So he invented X in a box. Here, for example, is a weather sensor in the middle here. So this little guy in the middle of the moat, it will give us temperature, pressure, relative humidity. And using that data, we can calculate clouds, um, altitude, and dew points. All of the components are put onto these identical boards, and we use this connector. So every board is the same size. In fact, what we did for a bit of fun is these larger holes over here in the corners, they actually fit directly onto Lego. So, <laughs> so what we did is we used the Lego uh, standard because Lego has got such a good standard. I've got a little screen over here and a little uh, a CPU, you know, because we need to have a brain and it can run Arduino, Java, Python, MicroPython. And you, as you can see, it's got, a, it's got a Wi-Fi hub at the back. So, you know, so what I've done is I've, I've put this together. And uh, in fact, one can put it together in any format. What it'll do is it'll count down and then it'll, it'll start displaying the data on the little screen, as well as on a data dashboard, a web-based dashboard. And we call each one an X chip. So we've got over 80 different X chips in full production. We're back with another episode of the Cold Star Project, the podcast about scaling space companies. And we're here with Judy Sandrock from South Africa. She is far ahead in time than I am. So thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for getting up so early in the morning oh, to accommodate. Yeah, well, it's 9.30 my time. I was up early today. Uh, I already got my Make Space Boring video, a little, little uh, update about who I met and what I'm doing. And you will be in tomorrow's because we recorded this today. So, so you are the co-founder of a couple of different organizations, uh, Space, uh, which we'll get into in a second, and also X in a Box, which is very interesting. And uh, the reason I wanted you on, first of all, South Africa is outside of the standard North American and European, you know, centric areas of operations. So I love hearing voices from outside that area. Uh, I'm a Vancouverite originally. We had a quick chat before we got on here and recorded. Uh, and I've met a lot of South Africans who, who emigrated to Canada and enjoyed their company immensely. Um, I, I quit drinking eight years ago as of January, but uh, back in the day I used to, when I was running a metal fab shop, my foreman was South African and I used to go over to his house and uh, at five in the morning or so, we'd watch the rugby championships that year. Oh yeah. <laughs> this was in the I middle think, of the yeah. 2000s. And have a couple of beers. It's, uh, it would be pretty funny because it would be eight in the morning by the end of it, I'd have to go home. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, so tell us a little bit about, um, Mito Space, what it is, and, and what you're working on achieving with it. Oh, absolutely. Great. Thanks so much. Um, to, give a, uh, to give a little bit of background and context, uh, I'm, in, my, in my first life, I was a chemical engineer, and uh, I, I was in uh, the mining industry and pulp and paper industries for, for 22 years as, as a professional engineer. And uh, when I left corporate, um, in 2008, uh, what I did is started the Meta Economic Development Organization, um, really uh, essentially for economic development projects, to roll out and implement economic development projects. We have uh, 
a massive challenge, uh, especially in South Africa. We've got close to 50% youth unemployment. Um, youth is uh, 30 years and younger. So uh, we, we have massive challenges and we, our industry is really small. Um, our economy is small. So we don't have uh, those huge job producers or employers um, as one does uh, in much larger economies. So, you know, so the, the idea was very much sort of um, how can I, as a young person, become enterprising? How can I create my own job? And maybe at some point then maybe I can also start creating jobs for other people. You know, build a, a small business and, you know, and, and create some jobs. So create some employment so people can put food on the table, uh, get kids to school, etc. And um, so the focus always was in rural areas, uh, small towns, uh, that kind of thing away from the major centers. And um, after a few years, um, what we started to realize was that we actually had a STEM problem because especially in outlying areas, the schools didn't have enough students who were interested in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, that they couldn't justify the teachers. So the thing is that um, on one hand, yes, we have a, a shortage of STEM teachers uh, in South Africa, but on the other hand, um, a school in a small town, which only has, let's say, 200 students across what you would call a K-12, um, if you don't have 15 or more students who are interested in mathematics or who are going to select mathematics, the uh, government cannot allocate a teacher. Hmm. So what we realized was we had to create that inspiration. We had to create that interest so that students would put their hands up and say, please, you know, I want to do this. I want to do it. And uh, we thought, well, um, there, there are two things that the children really like, uh, dinosaurs and space. Uh, dinosaurs was going to be a little bit difficult. So we thought space, ah, let's do something in space. Um, and so, therefore, in 2014, uh, early, early 2014, um, one of our major sponsors, uh, especially for our rural program, uh, is Isuzu Trucks, a Japanese company. Mm. And um, they were very, very eager to uh, develop STEM candidates so that eventually um, they would be able to employ engineers in their factories that they, that they operate um, on the continent, on the African continent. And, uh, you know, uh, nobody knows what jobs those engineers were going to tackle, but we knew it was definitely going to be STEM-related. <laughs> that was one thing. Um, you know, and that also comes in with whole Industry 4.0, the fourth industrial revolution, et cetera. Is we knew that we had to focus on STEM, so they were very eager to sponsor the program. And... And uh, surprisingly, they said, yeah, um, space, that's a great idea. So, uh, and they said, yes, we, we're very happy. What we'll do is we'll sponsor the program. We'll pay for the whole thing. Um, but really, you guys haven't got a clue what you're talking about. So uh, best you go and learn about something to do with space. So uh, the first thing we did then in... Um, 
in, in late 2014, uh, early 2015, is um, we went to a number of uh, satellite conferences. We purchased uh, a CubeSat and a launch uh, from one of the providers because there was absolutely no way that we were going to go out to schools especially underprivileged schools and schools in outlying areas, you know, they've been let down by a lot of people and we weren't going to let them down. So we weren't going to go there and talk about space when hmm. we weren't going to put anything into space. We, you know, so we needed the ticket to the game. It needed to be authentic. So yes, one of the first bills that Isuzu received was for a satellite and a launch. Uh, how they got it through the truck factory, I don't even want to ask those questions. But anyway... They paid, and um, and and at one of the first works we ever went to, um, we met Professor Bob Twiggs, and uh, one of the inventors of the the CubeSat format, and uh, Professor Twiggs uh, from Moorhead State University at the time, and what they had is that they had a program that they ran in Moorhead in Eastern Kentucky, um, to recruit especially young women to study at Moorhead State University, um, to study engineering and hopefully space engineering. And this program that they ran was all around um, doing some electronics, uh, measuring temperature, getting some data, uh, putting together a payload on a large helium balloon, sending it up, getting a message using a radio, and, uh, and in a way simulating a, a satellite so that they could then go on to design a satellite um, that could then um, be built by the university and, and, you know, go into orbit. So this really resonated well with us. We, um, through the process, uh, we were introduced to uh, Dr. Ben Malfris, who runs the Space Science Center at Moorhead State University. And, uh, and he introduced us to, to this program that they used to run. So that was really actually the first program that we started running. Um, Moorhead, Moorhead State University, Dr. Malfras said, please go ahead, uh, take all the learning, take everything the way we do it, uh, please be our guests. The more impact we can have in the world, the better. So, uh, so what we did is we, um, uh, we got two large, what I guess, what are they? Lorries. We call them trucks. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I mean, they're not pickups, you know, they're large. Uh, they carry like 10 tons of whatever closed lorries. And, um, and we kitted them out as electronics labs and we went we had teams that went to schools and all of that into really um, underprivileged areas, um, what we would call, what we call townships, you know, very underprivileged areas um, and uh, small villages and, and all of that kind of thing, taking the STEM program. And, um, and what the students were doing is that they were, they were soldering together what they called a little jiggy bot that like moved around on the table with a coin cell battery. Um, and then those students who were still very interested in it, then we would have a, a camp during the, the, the school break um, where we would go away for a week. And then we would do these, what's known as a cricket set project where they would solder together um, a thermistor and that would be connected to a radio, a software-based radio, and uh, 
on the, the helium balloon and collect the data, the temperature data and you know, draw graphs and, and all of that kind of thing. Um, and that was a week. And then at the, the, the week culminated in parents and teachers and academics and media and everybody coming around for a presentation on what they'd done that week. And it was, it really, I mean, there wasn't a dry eye in the room. Uh, you know, there was, everybody was in tears and parents were so proud and it was really absolutely unbelievable. Um, up to a point because we weren't getting enough impact. And when we looked at it as a good bunch of engineers, as we do, we realized that our main constraint was the soldering. I think mm -hmm. you refer, you pronounce it soldering. We say, so, we pronounce the L. Mm -hmm. And these solder irons, students were getting burnt. It took a long time. There were a lot of consumables. We had a lot of restrictions because they all had to be plugged in and we didn't want to overload the electrical system of a school that's in a rural area where maybe they've only got one plug point. Ah, didn't work for us. So at the time, my husband had joined me in the business, in, the, in this non-profit organization, uh, Mido, Meta Economic Development Organization, Mido Space. Um, he, he joined me. Um, He's a, an, uh, an IT expert, uh, software, uh, it was software development, and, and he, he came from the background of uh, assisting our constitutional court in South Africa, giving uh, everybody access to legal information uh, from a human rights perspective. And um, so uh, he came and joined the nonprofit, and... Um, when we and he's also an engineer so 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 when we realized that we had this constraint um we thought well let's find something that doesn't require any soldering you know should be easy and we looked and we looked and we looked and we couldn't find anything so i said to him well you're gonna have to invent it so he did so he invented x in a box okay so here for example is a weather sensor in the middle here. So this little guy in the middle of the moat will give us temperature, uh, pressure, relative humidity. And using that data, we can calculate clouds, um, altitude, and um, dew points. Um, and then uh, over here, we've got a nice little um, uh, light sensors, so we can ultraviolet and we can also do um, uh, visible light and all of the all of the components are put onto these identical boards and we use this connector so every board is the same size in fact what we did for a bit of fun is these larger holes over here in the corners they actually fit directly onto Lego so, <laughs> so what we did is we used the Lego uh, standard because Lego has got such a good standard. Uh, we thought, you know, one, one never goes wrong uh, with Lego. So um, here we go. Uh, you know, everything works better with a little bit of power. Um, and then I've got a little screen over here. Uh, put that in. Um, 
ah, and a little uh, a CPU, you know, because we need to have a brain. We need to have a brain of sorts. So, so this guy over here has got a, a four megabyte uh, memory and it can run Arduino, Java, Python, MicroPython. And you, as you can see, it's got, a, it's got a Wi-Fi hub at the back. So, you know, so what I've done is I've, I've put this together. Um, and uh, in fact, one can put it together in any format. You know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be like that. It can be, you know, put in any kind of format. It all runs exactly the same voltage, all runs I squared C as a communication protocol. So um, what I need to do now is I need to, I need to add some power. Because if I put it into my laptop, you're not going to be able to see it through the camera. So let me quickly find a power bank. All right, here we go. So there we go. It's powering up now. Yes, I can see the little it's light. Telling it's telling me that it's yeah. address. Uh, it's looking for the Wi-Fi to connect to the Wi-Fi. Um, what it'll do is it'll count down and then it'll, it'll start displaying the data on the little screen as well as on a data dashboard, a web-based dashboard. So, um, so this is... This is really just a starter kit, um, the, what we call the weather station starter kit, but, and we call each one an X-chip. So we've got over 80 different X-chips in full production. So we have a GPS, we've got an accelerometer, a magnetometer, um, infrared sensor, gamma ray sensors, a uh, multitude of them. We've got different power solutions. So instead of using USB, you can have coin cell battery or solar power, uh, AA battery. Um, we've got different CPUs. We don't have to use this one with the Wi-Fi. We have Bluetooth. We have a long range radios. Uh, we have a global star chip, all of that kind of thing. So, so what we did is we, st we started using these X chips I don't think you can see it here, but uh, the data is also starting oh, yeah. to display can, on this. We can see the display, so, yeah. Yeah, um, so the thing is what you can do is you can run around outside and indoor and compare the data and all of that kind of thing. And uh, what we've done is we've done it in um, centigrade as well as Fahrenheit mm -hmm. um, so that we can uh, engage everybody in the world, you know, not, uh, not just um, imperial or, or metric. So, in August 2016, um, my, my husband, Bjarke, so, you know, the, our inventor, uh, Bjarke Gottfriedsen, he is Danish. So, that also explains the Lego, you know. Um, and uh, so, what he did is he, he went with the specific purpose <coughs> of showing X in a box to Professor Bob Twiggs. Hey, this is Jason Canigan, the host of the Cold Star Project and the founder of Cold Star Technologies. I've decided to do something new. I've started doing daily update videos on who I met and what I learned the previous day in the space field. And it's a great sort of follow me thing. You can learn what I learn. I'm meeting a heck of a lot of people and learning a lot of things really fast. And the space field is really disparate. There are tons of nooks and crannies to go into and explore from legal, operational, you know, regulatory compliance and gosh the end customer who would have thought about that right so you can sign up for this if you go to coldstartech.com slash msb that's short for make space boring the mission we're on then you can sign up and in your email you will get a daily notification that the new video has been posted 
I'm also thinking about doing some branded mini courses and summarizing papers as uh, I'm able to. So those will be some goodies that are in there as well. So if you're interested in that, go to coldstartech.com MSB and join us on the mission to make space boring. Now back to the interview. And Judy, these are, for, for those who can't see, who are listening on the audio, these are what, a three, okay. four centimeters square, something like that? Uh, three point, uh, 3.2, okay. uh, so it's 32 millimeters by 32 millimeter squares. See, there's my metal fab shop estimation skills still, <laughs> still brilliant, around brilliant. after 10 years. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and yeah, they're white, uh, white and black. And what we did mm -hmm. is we... And they clip. We, 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 yeah, we, we stuck to the, the, the black and white um, with no color because um, the students, they want to work with the real deal. They don't want to work with a toy. Um, also, the thing is that uh, X in the Box is very popular in universities, technical universities. So the thing is we didn't want the university students to feel, ah, I'm, I'm getting a toy, you know, am I going to be able to use this in the workplace it's a, it's across the entire board uh, yeah and also the thing is we didn't want to go with the normal green PCBs mm. you know because that kind of reminds us of soldering and being a little bit too analog so we've gone for 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 the white and, and the black anyway so yes yeah, so professor twig saw these and he said this is ideal for the thinsat program because the thing is that he'd been able to um, secure funding for a new satellite format, which is a, a thin set, essentially a slice of a cube set. And, um, but he needed something that was going to be very low cost, firstly, because um, the, the only altitude he could get was around about 200, 250 kilometers, which meant that the mission was going to be like five to 10 days. So one can't have a satellite that costs $100,000 to build if it's only going to last five days. It had to cost like hundreds of dollars rather than thousands of dollars, and which is the case with X-Chips because we are, we are a very low-end disruptor. It's got to be affordable so that a rural school can keep their tech. Um, one thing we will never do is we will never, ever, ever take something back from a school. If we go to a school and we do a project, the kid stays with the school. So we had to, we had to have a, a you know, very, very competitive uh, pricing points. Um, yes, so Professor Twiggs was very, very, very eager because the thing is what he wanted is he wanted to relate um, what was happening on the satellite with uh, what was happening on the ground. So he wanted to have a three-phase program we did something in the classroom, like for example, using this light sensor and, and this weather sensor, then take these same sensors, put them on the helium balloon up to, you know, whatever, 30,000 feet, something like that. Um, and uh, then measure the, the altitude difference, the temperature differences, you know, what happens with the light, what happens to the UV index as we go through the clouds, et cetera, et cetera. You know, also, uh, because it was X in a box, we could put a GPS onto it, so, which means we could recover them. You know, all a multitude of things that we could do in a second phase of the program. And then with the thin sets, it's, 
it's exactly the same sensors that we have on this light sensor that actually go on the satellite. And it's actually the exact same X chips that go because, and we use the same connectors. So the tech is all the same. No, we're not going to send the screen. We're not going to send uh, this uh, Wi-Fi unit. So what we did is we had a global star radio. Um, so we had the outputs. We could get the data off. Um, the power solution, of course, was different. You know, that was uh, um, a rechargeable battery with solar panels, etc. Um, with the satellites, we had uh, infrared. We had infrared sensors, and uh, also the, the the satellite frame, the aluminium frame. What we did is we had five temperature sensors on the frame uh, because we were going to deorbit relatively soon. Our satellites were still going to be running when they heated up on re-entry, mm -hmm. so uh, we wanted to we wanted to collect some of that data. You know, see who lasts longer, <laughs> the radio or the temperature sensor or the battery or everything. So yeah, um, that is how we got involved in the FinSat program, and uh, it, and it and it developed from there. Um, our satellite itself that we purchased with the Suzu's money, um, we purchased it from a startup, a rocket company. So they still need to they need still need to launch, which is which is fine. We knew that it was going to take time, um, but in the meantime, uh, yeah, we've been very successful in terms of uh, over forty sunsets with X chips were launched in uh, April this year, uh, 17th of April, 2019. Um, the next Thinset mission is November, 2020. Uh, in February next year with a quest for space, uh, a US based nonprofit foundation. Um, we're going to uh, send a payload to the international space station. So students can collect data on the international space station and and as I chat with you now, there is a young man with two of these weather station kits on his way to Antarctica. And so what he's going to do is he's going to set them up at this, on the South African base on Antarctica and then connect it to the internet so the students can actually compare their kit that they have with them in the classroom with what's happening on the base in, in Antarctica, um, uh, all of that kind of thing. So, so yeah. Uh, I have to say, suddenly we found out, suddenly we realized we had a business. This wasn't, this wasn't just about doing outreach programs in South Africa. Now we were involved with Virginia Space through the Thinsat program, and they were rolling their program out in five of the U.S. states in the Appalachian region. Um, there was a lot of interest from Georgia, a lot of interest from California, the U.K., United Arab Emirates from Turkey. Um, so we realized, wow, um, this is the real deal. And so we brought a, a third shareholder and uh, investor on board to run this for-profit business that now was starting to build itself. So what I do is that I still look after the nonprofit side. Um, I still look after the outreach programs um, and then um, uh, the other uh, two partners, we're all equal partners, we each have a third of the business. And then uh, 
my, my husband, who's one of those partners, and then Daniel Berman, uh, um, our, our third partner, they very much look after the for-profit business, which involves uh, manufacturing, it involves prototyping, uh, getting the product into the distributors, global distributors, mm -hmm. uh, because the product is now purchased all over the world. Uh, by schools, universities, even businesses who want to do rapid hardware prototyping. Um, they, they buy our X-chips. Well, this is fascinating. I, I had no idea that that is what it looked like until uh, you just showed it. So you were very clear about the values and the, the outcomes that you wanted, and you sort of iterated forward into a couple different solutions and then came up with this one. And I really do like the white look of it. Uh, and that it is different from that green circuit board yeah. style that you see out there. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's sort of, there's something very um, straightforward to understand about it, that this clips together and you can configure them how you want. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 you know a kid could understand that quite simply. Uh, hmm. on, on a business side, I'm curious, are there, you know, how do you sell these internationally? Are there any import duties that companies or countries charge or is it fairly straightforward? Um, no, it's not, no, it's not straightforward, but, um, <laughs> I didn't think so. and, and that is, and, and that is one of the reasons why, um, X in a box is incorporated in Ireland. Hmm. Mm -hmm. is because the Irish business laws are mm -hmm. the most up-to-date mm -hmm. uh, in dealing right. with uh, tech companies, with uh, intellectual property, etc. Right. Um, so what we've done is we've trademarked it. Uh, a lot of people ask uh, if we've patented it. And that was terribly shocked when I say no. Mm. Um, the patent's only as good as how much money you have to defend it. Mm -hmm. So we weren't going to worry about uh, patenting it. What we have done is we've designed the next version and that is patented. Mm. So if we feel that we are being imitated too much, that it's really starting to impact us and encroach on our business, um, then we'll, we'll simply bring out version two, which is patented. So, right. so we, we've done that. Um, then what we've also done is we've been very lucky. We've been able to engage with global distributors, RS Components, Mauser, uh, Farnell. And uh, so what it is is that they, they take our product into their warehouses, their global warehouses, and then they distribute, they sell via their, their websites um, as they would... Uh, any other electronics. So, so they are the, the large um, electronics distributors. And another partner that we've, uh, that we've been, another partnership we've been able to establish is with Microsoft Education. So what we have done is we've made sure that uh, all of our kits, especially those kits that are going to be going into schools and universities, that they are... Um, they're compatible with Microsoft Education and Microsoft Azure because it's, I mean, it's full Internet of Things because we've, these are the things of Internet of Things, these X chips. Um, and we, we support end-to-end uh, -end, uh, IoT. And, so, and that was very attractive for Microsoft because what it was is that the students could do very practical projects 
in the classroom, um, generate the data, and then, you know, uh, and then actually apply a lot of the data science concepts, big data concepts, artificial intelligence, machine learning, all of that kind of thing. Um, so, so we have a situation where Microsoft take us in to the marketplace. So, for example, Microsoft have introduced us into the United Arab Emirates at a, at a senior government ministry level. Um, and, uh, and then also what they've done is that they've introduced us to um, a number of the value-added resellers in the education sector mm -hmm. who will, who will uh, then, you know, they, they, they take the X chips and then they build their own project for them lesson content and all of that kind of thing around it. And then they, they wrap it in this huge offering, um, which, which they then take to market uh, because they're already well established in those markets. So um, as far as possible, we try not to sell directly. Um, in, in the case of the ThinSat program, uh, what we did is we, uh, we sold the, our X-chips to... Twig Space Lab, um, who then incorporated it into the, the whole ThinSat program. They did their own lesson materials. They, they had the satellites built, integrated, all of that kind of thing. You know, we, we didn't do that directly. Um, we, were, we were simply one of the suppliers um, to, to the program. So, yeah, we, we, we're, not, we're not geared up actually to um to sell directly uh we're very bad at it because um <laughs> it it's it's tough yeah yeah the whole thing <laughs> understanding the the customs and the rules for every mm -hmm. single country and how do you import and what duties do you pay and you know getting uh and you're dealing with customs agents and all of that they're, they're distributors who do that that is their role that is their right. core business so what we do is we engage with them in, uh, in terms of, of getting our product out there. So we, we do a lot of the marketing ourselves, sure. Hmm. Um, being engineers, we've got a lot to learn on that side. But thank goodness Daniel's not an en uh, engineer. Um, so, so he brings a lot of that uh, business experience and, and expertise uh, with him uh, to the fore. Did you know that the small sat industry has a 40% and greater partial and full mission failure rate. That's terrible. And yet I find most people in the space industry try to treat this as if it's no big deal. They don't even want to acknowledge it. And I think that's ridiculous. If anything, anywhere else was having a 40% or greater failure rate, trying to turn your car on, right? If, you're, if your vehicle or your cell phone didn't work, four times out of 10, two times out of five that you tried it, you would go berserk. And you would do everything you could to make sure that it got fixed. The small sat process engineering department at Cold Star Technologies is all about showing you how to manage processes better, to eliminate the causes at the root that create these partial and full mission failure rates. And you don't need to hear it from me. You can look this stuff up in studies. It just comes out of what you might think are the dumbest things. Oh, I know that. Well, to know but not to do means you don't know it. You rush. You rush the production schedule. You don't manage it right. You don't have the project sponsorship set up quite right. 
and the resources aren't there. You've got this mission launch date that's moving and you just throw the schedule out the window. One third to one half of your project schedule needs to be for testing. And yet, this is the first thing to get smashed in the head by a wrench. As soon as the monkey wrench is thrown into the operation, testing time goes out the window. Do you want to avoid this problem? The answer is not more physical engineering. It's not. More engineers are not going to solve your problem. You have tons of engineers. I am not going to tell you how to engineer a satellite. <laughs> I've got Dr. Rick Fleeter and other people on my team for that. And we're not going to come in there and tell you how to engineer it. But on the process side, and I have had engineers on this show say, engineers don't know nothing about processes. That's not me saying it, it's the engineers saying it, but I will definitely echo it. If you want to have a manufacturing process that ensures that your small sets, cube sets, get up there and work, come talk to us at Cold Star Tech. So if, if somebody's at a college or university or even a public school and they want to get involved, what is the best way for them to connect with you and find out where they can buy locally? I have to say, I mean, our website is very, very informative, um, which is uh, all one word, xinabox.cc. And, um, or otherwise, you know, just, uh, if you just search for X in a box, uh, you'll be able to uh, come to our website. And, uh, and then what we'll do is then we'll point you in the right direction. Um, uh, what schools and universities uh, or colleges can do they can, we have got a Shopify website, so they can place an order on, that, on, on our shop. We will simply fulfill it using a local distributor, the closest distributor to them. So, you know, if it's in the US, it'll probably be Mauser or Amazon. Um, in fact, if it's global, you know, could be Amazon. If it's Europe, UK, uh, Africa, it'll be RS components, etc. So, so we have, we've built that in. Um, uh, into into the engine where uh, it'll pick the most suitable distributor to then fulfill the, those orders. Um, also, to be very to be very uh, open about it, uh, for educational institutions, uh, we certainly give a lot of support and we do give some discounts. Um, and uh, so, I'm very happy if people just want to just click on the contact details on the website or whatever, or get hold of me on my, my email address. You know, I can certainly set up something where I can set up a discount for them uh, that they could then uh, use when, when purchasing. Um, I can also uh, introduce them because in a number of the countries, the, the, the local distributors, they will have um, an outreach program that they would be very happy to support. So, you know, there, there could be local corporate social investment funding available uh, to, to, you know, support the program. And also, we have done a lot of lesson materials ourselves and experiments, which we've put together. We've got uh, video tutorials, all of that kind of thing. So, um, and that's, the, all of those are available on our website, uh, free and open for everybody. Okay, xinabox.cc. Not dot dot com. <laughs> dot cc. No, I wish, I wish, um, yeah, dot cc. 
All right. I just no. wanted to make sure people heard that. And I'll drop a couple yeah. of links to pictures of, of the uh, components, the boards uh, in, in uh, the description of the video and, and uh, or the audio podcast. Oh, that'll be great. So yeah, people can pick that up or have a look without, yeah, I mean, they can go to the website as well. Um, did we miss anything to talk about? I'm looking at my list of questions over here and in the process of telling us the story about X in a Box and Mito Space, you've, you've answered them all. <laughs> I have answers to them all. Is I there think, anything we missed? I, I, I think I have. I, I think what I'd like to do is I'd, I'd just like to bring it around again to yeah. sort of Industry 4.0 Mm -hmm. um the, the the future of work that that was really the the founding principle um is how how can we equip youngsters for the the futures that they're going to have so that they can thrive and have a marvelous meaningful dignified work um and also what is absolutely crucial to us is to remove barriers. So we had to make sure that we could go and we could run a program anywhere. We didn't need access to internet. We didn't need a great uh, electricity grid. Um, we didn't need soldering irons. We didn't need a lab. Uh, the, all of the components are, are pre-calibrated. Um, we've also developed a lot of the code ourselves um, so that students can get going quickly. They don't have to learn how to code in Arduino or Python. Um, as soon as they start getting results, then they can have a look at the code and say, oh, yeah, you know, I could tweak this myself a little bit. Or actually, I could write this kind of thing myself. Maybe I want to do another experiment. And maybe I actually want to write or compile the code myself, that, that sort of thing. So we've got a lot of coding examples and libraries. Because that's fundamentally what we want to do is we want to remove barriers. Um, and we've certainly been recognized for that. Uh, in 2015, our program was nominated by the World Economic Forum as having the most impact on uh, student education and gender equality on the African continents. Because what we do is we, we, we really focus on access for young women um, it's, we don't exclude the young men, but we make sure that the young women have access because sometimes that can be very, very, very difficult in traditional, in traditional communities. But that's a whole other subject. And I'm not a social anthropologist, so, you know, but... So, yes, we were recognised by the World Economic Forum. And also we were, we've been recognised on CNN in 2017 as having the most innovative... Uh, projects coming out of Africa. And uh, two months ago, we were recognized by BBC. Uh, they came to all the way to South Africa, I think also just to enjoy Cape Town as well. Why not come to Cape Town? And uh, so what they did is that they did a very nice uh, documentary on uh, what we were doing in, uh, in schools on the African continent, um, you know, as a feature, on, uh, an annual feature on BBC, uh, you know, giving access and, uh, you know, um, uh, equipping uh, youngsters for the future. So I think that what we've done is we've made sure that we stay true to our principles and true to our cause. Um, and the more X chips we can sell, the more we have economies of scale 
So the more we can do. That's that's the way we look at it. Right. Well, this this has been really amazing. I've learned a lot. I've enjoyed the heck out of it, and seeing the chips has been has been eye opening. You know, it's like (laughs) really straightforward to clip the the chips together and start working with it. So, uh, and and to hear about the impact you're having is really tremendous. So. My guest today has been Judy Sandrock. She's co-founder of Mito Space and X in a Box. And uh, I highly recommend that you go check that out. Thanks for being here today, Judy. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity.